Welcome to Change by Attraction, a podcast for people who want to create change in their organization, whether that's on the team level, the department level, or for the whole organization. I'm your host, Esther Derby, author of Seven Rules for Positive Productive Change. In the previous episode, I talked about changing paradigms, the assumptions and beliefs people hold about how things work, and how that's a really powerful way to change system patterns. In this episode, I want to share an example of how I did that. A while ago, I worked with a company that had a big, important, bet-the-farm sort of project that didn't look like it was going to meet contractual delivery dates. I was in this big meeting with a lot of people who were really worried about this, and the VP got up and posed the rhetorical question, why aren't these teams accountable? They commit and they don't deliver. Over time, I learned that the teams didn't actually commit. Someone committed for them, and they did actually deliver very predictably, as it turned out, on average about 70% of the features that were committed, in air quotes here, during the iteration planning. But the VP's comment gave me some hints about how people thought about management in this company. And it turned out that this whole accountability question went all the way down the management chain. Whenever a team didn't deliver on 100% of what someone else had signed them up for, The refrain was, why aren't these teams accountable? This was usually followed up with some self-righteousness about how accountable that individual was as compared to those teams who weren't accountable, and then more talk about holding the teams accountable. So what might you deduce about assumptions and beliefs here? Well, maybe there were some um, beliefs about the moral superiority with all of this I'm accountable there or not sort of talk. Uh, Maybe there were some erroneous assumptions about the dynamics of software development. Many of the managers seemed to believe that if the teams just worked hard and followed through on their commitments, they would meet the goals set for them. Now, there were exceptions to this, of course, and those were some of the people I partnered with and um, worked together with. But in general, the view from the VP through middle management was that managers needed to drive accountability. As I worked with middle managers, when the moaning started about teams not meeting commitments, I gently tested assumptions by asking different questions. This was to start bringing awareness to the contradictions of this seeming belief that people just needed to work hard and be accountable and then they could meet schedules. Because the people were working hard, really hard, and against some really big obstacles. I asked questions like, um, who's present in the planning meeting? Who, who makes the commitments? Who's in a position to say no? Um, I know you encourage them to say no to too much work, but do they ever actually say no? What's the process for assigning work to sprints? What do the teams actually deliver? So those all have to do with how commitments get made. 
And then I, you know, I'd ask about technical challenges. You know, what sort of technical challenges are the teams up against? What's the tech environment like? How many teams can access the test environment at the same time? How often is that environment down? That was about their technical environment. And I also asked about the teams. You know, how are the teams made up? Are people on only one team or are some people assigned to multiple teams? Are those teams in the same place? How many time zones do they span? The benefit of these questions was that they nudged managers off blame and into problem solving. Usually people knew the answers to these questions. There weren't a lot of big revelations, but they'd been so fixated on the accountability thing that they'd ignored the significant obstacles that these teams faced. But when I started asking these questions, after a while, they started looking at the tech environment and they started getting help to improve the tech environment. They started really thinking about how the teams were set up and gradually they reformed the teams so that they only crossed two different time zones instead of many. So in a very oblique way, we were reshaping how those middle managers thought about their work and how they saw their purpose. This didn't take a radical restructuring or cause a bunch of upheaval. It was really a subtle change in what the managers focused on. It took the emphasis off hand-wringing about accountability and pushing the teams and put it on something more useful, which was figuring out what was getting in the way and doing something about it. And in my view, that's one of the core concerns every organization needs to attend to, how to enable people to do good work and how to enhance the environment and systems to support them to do so. So here's what you can do. Notice and test the assumptions that people have about a situation. If they don't match what we know about modern ways of working, see if you can gently suggest something different by asking questions. Don't start with training because people always hang new information onto existing cognitive frameworks and often find a way to fit it neatly into what they already believe. So this is why we have so many Scrum administrators and Scrum project managers and so much Scrummer fall. Don't argue because frontal assaults on people's cognitive frames generally don't work. Plus, if you lose, you look foolish. And if you win, you may damage relationships. Start by pointing people towards the part of their reality that their assumptions tend to obscure. This brings a different area into awareness in a way that people can examine it, they can work with it, and begin to shift their understanding of the way things work, of the way work works. Maybe they'll see their role in a different way, and then they'll act differently. They may begin to change structures and policies and expectations and how they treat people. And then you've changed the system. So back to the organization I worked with. Over time, the focus did shift. They paid less attention to getting people to work hard. They recognized that people were working hard. And they paid more attention to making it possible for people to get work done. They shared more contextual information. And they were less blamey. Without touching the organizational hierarchy, they started acting in a less hierarchical way. And things started working better because we'd changed assumptions and shifted the paradigm.
micro shifts that led to macro results. The explicit model behind the work I did with this company is the SEAM model. It's something I've been working on and developing for a number of years. And if you'd like to learn more about it, I've linked to some resources in the show notes. And I'm always happy to chat about it. So if you want to chat about it and learn a little more about it, shoot me an email and we'll find a time. I'll be back next month with more thoughts on change by attraction. Thanks for listening.